0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, as the evacuation window in Afghanistan closes, hundreds of allies remain trapped.
1: The situation is changing literally by the hour. I'll be getting a detailed uh, briefing um, uh, shortly on on the withdrawal plan. But one thing I can assure you that we will try, we will continue to bring out as many Afghans uh, as possible.
0: The Liberals propose raising the corporate income tax rate on large banks and insurance companies. This pandemic has been really hard on so many
1: Canadians, on so many small businesses. But the truth of it is that for some businesses, it's been really good. Look no further than the financial institutions. Big banks and insurance companies have been doing very well over these past many months.
0: And Aaron O'Toole unveils the Conservatives' Mental Health Action Plan. In 1998, Swiss Air Flight 111 crashed off Peggy's Cove in Nova Scotia. My Air Force Squadron responded, as did the Navy first responders and fishermen nearby. I saw how the exposure to trauma impacted some of my colleagues. It's Thursday, August 26th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories from the campaign trail this morning. We're joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. As Justin Trudeau travels the country, and recently you've been traveling with him, covering the campaign, he's been making announcements and talking about the future, but having to answer a lot of questions about Afghanistan and the government's handling of the situation there, the efforts to help people who have helped Canada in the past. So how has this been affecting his campaign, and how is the Prime Minister responding to calls that he should be more focused on that and less on the election?
1: Well, it's... it's Pretty much derailed this campaign was one of the factors derailing it. Uh, you know, things have not gone particularly well in that the day that he called the election, the Taliban marched into Kabul. So you know, I think ever since then, people have been. While the timing of an election is never, you know, nobody ever wants an election, but this one in particular, people are con- contrasting the the fate of those people who have helped Canada, with the ambitions of Justin Trudeau, and. You know, it's quite clear that while he says he's getting regular briefings on the situation, that he's only got one eye on the situation. Because, you know, we're—I've been with him this week. We've been in seven provinces. We flew to—we flew to, we flew to uh, Vancouver from Hamilton. We flew from Vancouver to Quebec City, which is where we are right now. You know, all of that time he's out of contact. He's not being briefed. He's not thinking about Afghanistan. And you know, clearly Canada's response has been. Less than ideal, and I think you know, frankly, that our uh, that what, what Canada did prior to the Taliban taking over was inadequate, too. So it's so it's it's shattered the whole campaign, and I don't think he's been offering satisfactory answers or, or not answers that I think are satisfactory to the Canadian public as far as how he's handling it.
0: And what should Canada be doing right now? What what uh, there, there's, uh, I know the other parties have have been criticizing the government's handling of the issue. But uh, what is it that Canada could be doing that it's not doing?
1: Well, that's harder to say. I mean, I'm not on the ground. I don't know what the, the constraints are like there. But we have, we seem to have slid into a, a situation where it's a fait accompli that that we we have to deal with the Taliban. We have to recognize them. Uh, you know, he he says he he belatedly said that he wouldn't recognize the Taliban, which is a listed terrorist organization in in Canada. But initially, Canada's response was, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. You know, it is very hard to say what what more Canada could be doing. But I think the government, this is a a, a consequential crisis that the government should be focused on. And the government can't be focused on, on it when the prime minister is really looking at it part time.
0: All right, let's turn to what Justin Trudeau was talking about yesterday uh, in Vancouver before he was asked a lot of questions by journalists about the situation in Afghanistan, and that's uh, a plan to make housing uh, more accessible and more affordable for Canadians, particularly those buying their first home. Um, he, he talked about, in in broad terms, about a number of measures that would uh reduce the amount of foreign wealth in the market uh without getting into specifics about that um making it easier for people to uh to put money towards their first homes that sort of thing but the one specific that he emphasized was increasing the corporate income tax rate by three percent on large banks and insurance companies for their profits over a billion dollars um and this Steps into the territory that that uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh has been trying to claim as his own. Um, it, the the NDP has proposed raising the corporate income tax rate across the board by three percent. So um, let's talk more about about this issue and and what it means for the Liberal campaign.
1: Right. So this is an announcement he made, which which he tied to housing, and it was it's kind of hard to see how increasing the, uh, taxes on the banks is. In any way, like to housing, other than the fact that he wanted to use the money that he raised to pay for it. Now, previously, he has uh, the Liberal Party has voted against NDP proposals to, to tax "quote unquote" excess profits uh, from the pandemic. Uh, he's now turned around and, and, and proposed it, you know, clearly trying to to, uh, to beat down NDP support. I mean, I really think that the way that they they, they see the road to victory is. Stealing votes from the NDP and hammering the Conservatives on healthcare, which we'll, we can turn to it in a minute. But but it does all of the policy suggestions feel incremental. They all feel slightly drab. They could pretty much all have been done without us having to have an election over them. And uh, you know, you, you look at this one in particular. It doesn't. None of it looks particularly well thought out. You look at the the, the proposal on banks and insurance companies. Well, why banks and insurance companies? Uh, there presumably are other companies that have, that have made higher than r- regular profits as a result of the pandemic. Why are they not being hit? It does seem partial in a way that our taxation system is not usually. On the housing front, you know, while the system is designed to, I mean, essentially we have a problem where we have too much demand and not enough supply. And yet some of the proposals in the uh the housing plan are, will stimulate demand. For example, he's, he's got a, a savings plan, but whereby uh, people under forty can p- put money into a, a, a tax sheltered account and then withdraw it tax-free. You know, clearly that will help younger people buy houses, but it will increase demand. Whereas the real problem is a supply problem, and the, the, the plan is a m- much less specific on the supply side. So I think the even while the liberals. Were the instigators of this election? They don't appear to be particularly well prepared for it. There's not a great, we don't have a great policy, thick policy book the way we do with the Conservatives or the NDP, and they don't, they can't really define why we're in an election campaign other than the fact that Justin Trudeau wants a mandate to do big things in the future.
0: And yet we're not hearing what those big things are in, in a lot of ways, right? Uh, because the, as no, you, as you no. suggest, it's been mostly small things. That have been proposed in the Liberal campaign. Yeah, I mean, so the, the,
1: the housing plan's pretty expensive, but there's nothing in there that is mind blowing as far as innovative policy. And and I think that the public's response is a collective shrug and saying, "Well, if it's so brilliant, why didn't you do it six years ago?" You know, the NDP pointed out yesterday that house house prices in Vancouver have gone up four hundred seventy thousand dollars for the the average benchmark house in the six years that Justin Trudeau's been in office.
0: You mentioned healthcare. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, there are proposals from the different campaigns on investing in healthcare. Uh, as some people would say, uh, uh, you know, despite the fact that there's not a lot of money to go around right now after all of this pandemic spending, but nevertheless, each of the party leaders is proposing putting more money into healthcare uh, this week. Erin O'Toole talked about giving the provinces more money to address mental health issues. Um, But there continues to be this effort by the Liberals to discredit Erin O'Toole as someone who's in favor of a two-tier healthcare system, uh, even though uh, I'll point out that we already have for-profit companies participating in delivery of healthcare services in this country, and we already have some things that are not covered by the government. So effectively, we have a hybrid model to begin with, even though... Uh, we have this this kind of sacred, uh, this this much vaunted universal healthcare system in Canada.
1: Right, and that, that's the key point. I think that O'Toole, while he's proposed innovation, experimentation, allowing provinces to deliver services using for-profit organizations without clawing money back under the Canada Health Act, as, as the Liberals have proposed, while he's proposing that, he's proposing to do it all within the they're under the umbrella of the universal access system and this is where i think the, the liberals have been disingenuous because that is not the message that they are sending out on the hustings i mean trudeau has has mentioned this just about every day and it does look like they may be getting some traction with it there was, there was a nanos poll out yesterday i haven't seen today's but yesterday uh, the liberals were up uh, the ndp were down and, and the suspicion is that people believe that the Conservatives, have elected would start essentially privatizing Canada's health system. That, I think is is not what he is proposing and I think that's why for example they were Christopher Freeland was flagged by Twitter with a manipulated media tag earlier this week. So it's uh, it's a little bit negative it's a little bit disingenuous it's it's a long way from sunny ways but that is the key issue, it seems, at the moment. I mean, the, the, the Liberal campaign is pretty shapeless. The whole election is pretty shapeless. But the one constant has been the Liberals knocking the Conservatives on health care, and that may be their route to victory.
0: All right, we'll see what uh, happens next and where the campaign takes us uh, over the next few days. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's John Iverson of the National Post.
1: We are going to continue to do absolutely everything we can to get as many people out of Afghanistan in the coming days as we possibly can.
0: Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues Justin Trudeau should be focusing on the Afghan crisis. The Star writes, As the Taliban's evacuation clock races to its final hour, we are left feeling helpless. The remedy would be for Justin Trudeau to get off the campaign trail and hightail it back to Ottawa. The few remaining hours will be crucial to the outcome of the Afghanistan crisis. Getting updates, as the Prime Minister calls them, as he travels through Hamilton or Winnipeg or Surrey, B.C., releasing the Liberal platform drip by drip, is not the mean of a seasoned G7 leader. In McLean's, Paul Wells argues that when it comes to health care, the song remains the same. Wells writes... It's one of the oldest stories in the book. My opponent wants to destroy the healthcare system. Only I will save it. We've had two decades of liberals warning that only liberals can be trusted to deliver the kind of system conservatives keep promising. Justin Trudeau came to power believing he could turn the page on the politics of fear and division. But the thing about that particular page is, once you turn it, you see that the next page says fear and division. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues, If shamelessness is the key to success in politics, Aaron O'Toole is looking good. Coyne writes, Aaron O'Toole has not just survived liberal attacks in the campaign's first week, he has seemed almost to invite them. He has said things that at first sound difficult or controversial, but which turn out to mean nothing that is substantively different from liberal policy or the status quo. He is saying just enough to fool his own supporters into thinking it meant something, but not so much as to leave others with the impression it meant anything. A better man couldn't have managed it. Now, here's what's coming up on the campaign trail today. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will be in Quebec. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will make an announcement in Ottawa, followed by a virtual telephone town hall with Nova Scotia residents. NDP leader Jugmeet Singh will make announcements in Winnipeg. And in Kenora, Ontario, he will also hold a meet-and-greet at the Kenora Airport. Green Party leader Animi Paul will visit a business in Toronto before campaigning with volunteers. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold news conferences in Quebec City and Saguenay, Quebec. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, August 26th. Tune in to CPAC and cpac.ca throughout the day today for full coverage of the federal election campaign. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.